Episode 14 of Indotechno. Pleased to have you tune in again. With this episode, we step pretty far afield from our previous focus on how innovation is enriching the online lives of Indonesian consumers. Indeed, post installments have focused on topics such as streaming video, new fintech solutions, e commerce, and other quote unquote 2C or to end customer solutions. This week, we examine the application of cutting edge technology to one of the world's oldest industries aquaculture, or fishing. According to a recent article in Nature, food from the sea represents only 17% of the current production of edible meat. Experts anticipate innovations from the likes of our guest, Gibran Hudzaifa, and his company eFishery to help drive edible food from the sea to increase by 21 to 44 million tons by 2050. That's a 36 to 74% increase compared to current yields. This represents up to 25% of the estimated increase in all meat needed to feed 9.8 billion people expected by 2050. It is thus not an exaggeration to say that the productivity improvements planned by eFishery and the other leaders of the aquaculture technology movement will have a truly fundamental and global impact. Gibran, a warm welcome to Indotechno. Could you please share with us your story? Thank you so much, Alan. Hi, everyone. I'm Gibran, CEO and co-founder of eFishery. We are a technology startup that focuses on building solutions for fish and shrimp farming business. And the main reason why we were in aquaculture industry is because before I started eFishery, I was a fish farm myself. So I studied biology and there I studied particularly aquaculture. And I was inspired by how aquaculture has a huge opportunity in Indonesia, the second largest aquaculture producer in the world. From that inspiration, I started my own farm, from one farm to 76 ponds when I graduated from college. And that's also when I saw a root issue in aquaculture. This long and old traditional sector has no technology and solution that helped them increase their productivity. And one of the biggest problems was in feeding, which is count for 70 to 90% of the total cost. And it is currently done manually by labor. It's a big issue for the business, but besides that, it's also a big issue for the environment. In a lot of water bodies environment in Indonesia, fish feeding is the largest pollutant in the water. So I saw that the, this has a market opportunity. It's a big issue for the business and socially, it's also big issues for the environment. So I think this is a problem that we're solved. And it's where I started building a solution about smart feeding technology. Now, Gibran, eFishery was founded in 2013. Can you share with us the major chapters in the company's development? At the beginning, it's about building the product. We didn't have any technology before, and it's really hard in 2013 to build a technology that has a hardware component. We didn't have enough talents. We didn't have enough supply chain, and the users were not even ready for a smartphone-based IoT solution. So what we did at the beginning is try to find a way to build the product quickly to create a product that could be radically affordable for the farmers to use. So that's one chapter. Afterwards, the challenge is how we educate the farmers that have been doing it for decades to use an automation solution using smartphone when they have never used the smartphone before. So the education process and adoption took a long time. And after that, we create a model. And in the next one or two years, our focus was mainly on expanding value chain solution using the data that was generated from our IoT. Gibran, what is your vision as the founder of eFishery? 
We see that from a sustainability perspective, if you consume fish, it is much more sustainable when you consume it with other sources of animal protein. So in that model, it will help the whole food sustainability if the aquaculture thrives. Traditionally, the supply chain is over marginalized. There's too many people in the supply chain and the farmers don't have enough technology to increase their own yield. So we envision if fishery can help to accelerate aquaculture to be the largest provider of animal protein in the world by creating an efficient supply chain, as well as increasing productivity using technology. Now, Gibran, you mentioned that Indonesia is the world's second largest harvester of fish, I think behind China. And there are more than 3.3 million fish farmers in Indonesia. How do your solutions currently help them? There's a lot of farmers and there's more than 30 million fish ponds all across Indonesia. And every farm and every ponds uh, have the same problem. The first problem is on the feeding cost, which is 70 to 90% of the total cost and currently done manually by labor. We're trying to solve the solution by creating a smart feeding technology that can help the farmers feed the fish automatically connected to the sensor that can sense the fish appetite and send the data to the cloud. And by using this, the farmers can increase the efficiency of the feeding and then also reducing their harvest, which also increase the growth. And all in all, it can almost double their income by using the technology with the whole feeding solution using much better practice because of our solution that we provide. And secondly, the other issue is how farmers can get access to both input and the market because they only have small scale and can't get a good price from the factory as an input and they can't really get access to the end buyers. There's five to six middlemen from the farmers to the end customers. So in that model, we're trying to solve by using the data that was generated from our smartphone and our IoT solution to help them connect with a cheaper input and a more efficient input, as well as on the market. We're using predictive data so they can have enough scale aggregating and group buying and purchase directly from the feed manufacturers for the input. And then use the same model to connect them directly to the restaurants and the end consumer buyers so they can connect with the buyers with the higher price. So it sounds as though you're outlining a vision of pretty full vertical integration from procurement to downstream sales. How far along that path are you now in September of 2020? And how far along will you be to completing this vertical chain within the next year? We started off as an IoT solution with a fitting as a services model. And in that model, we've already deployed tens of thousands of units all across Indonesia in 24 provinces with more than 7,000 farmers already in our current ecosystem. So that's one thing. And then using this, we have a massive amount of supplies that we can provide and massive amounts of community that we can create. We can also create a value from the input and the output side. And on the feed solution side, we've currently sold around a thousand tons of feed to hundreds of farmers in a couple of provinces in Java and South Sumatra. And for output, we're currently connecting hundreds of farmers with large companies and more than 2,000 outlets in Jakarta. So in terms of both input and output, it's still taking off and we just have been doing it in the last one year. But we envision ourselves to be the largest fish suppliers and the largest feed suppliers in Indonesia without having to own any single pond. So that's the idea of the whole business. Gibran, can you quantify the benefit using the e-fishery solution in terms of cost savings? You talk about group buying of fish feed on one hand and then more efficient sales downstream. 
what are the cost savings of buying the fish feed through e-fishery? And what kind of better pricing can the farmer get on the other hand from selling through e-fishery? It really depends on the communities within the area because we're connecting the farmers on a certain scale directly to both feed manufacturers and the buyers. So currently from the input side, by cutting off the distributors and the smaller agents, we're able to reduce the price from 8 to 10% from the price that they usually get before joining on the part of the fishery ecosystem. And I think considering that it's 70 to 90% of the total cost, 8 to 10% savings for every cycle, for every pond would, would create a massive value for the farms. So that's one thing on the input side. From the output side, usually they had to sell it to the middleman. But by cutting off middlemen and connecting to the restaurants, we can create an additional 40% margin. And we're buying around 25% more than the normal price that the middleman usually bought before. So that's the value that we can create both in the input and the output side. Even we can also create a value with our technology solution, tripling their income before using the whole technology ecosystem that we provide them. Those are absolutely massive improvements. Very impressive. Now, I have a more specific question about the technology. How does the e-fishery solution work in the area of feeding fish? You earlier mentioned sensing the fish's appetite, and you talked about pond-level data. How do those technologies work? The technology itself is not like a machine with the drums that you can put the feet in, but it is controlled with certain simple computing solution that is connected directly with a peer-to-peer Wi-Fi to a smartphone. And it is connected to a sensor that can sense the appetite. And the way that we're sensing the appetite, we use two types of sensors, technically. The first one is vibration-based sensor, so it's more like an accelerometer that we sense the movement of the fish when they're hungry or full. Then we know when they're already full and stop the feeding because fish tend to be more aggressive when they're hungry and less aggressive when they're full. So it's more like a fish fullness sensor. And the second is also similar on the fish fullness, but we're using acoustic-based sensor. We're putting a microphone inside of the water that hear the yum-yum, the chop-chop sound when the fish is eating. So when they stop eating, then they're already full and we stop the feeding. And then we send the data through peer-to-peer Wi-Fi and then send the data to, to the cloud. And the cloud itself, we are creating different kind of machine learning and then send back the feedback to the smartphone and the edge computing that we have. I wonder, are there any human applications of this? I can imagine my wife using this to better control my diet because I indeed get very aggressive when I'm hungry. That's a good idea. A lot of people asking me whether they can feed their family using this technology. So I have to think through it. I'll pay good money for it. Now, Gibran, does e-fishery maintain any inventory of feed itself, or is it purely a marketplace? The idea is a group buying model based on the prediction that we have. So we are aggregating, for example, 100 farmers that need certain brand of feed. Then they have enough scale to buy directly from the feed manufacturers. And we then ship it on demand to certain pickup points based on the day that they need it. So... In short, we don't really have an inventory per se, but we do have a 12-hour window for the farmers to pick up at a certain pickup point that we have all across the country. You may have mentioned this earlier, but how widespread is the adoption of e-fishery solutions today? And what will the level of adoption be in three years? 
Currently, we already have more than 7,000 farmers in our ecosystem and more than 40,000 farms all across Indonesia in 24 provinces and 252 cities in Indonesia. So it's a pretty spread out. In terms of adoption, what we are happy and proud about is that we have zero percentage rate in the last three years. It shows that our technology actually can create a benefit for them to stay. I've read that aquaculture is growing nearly 20% per year. How could such a traditional industry be growing so quickly? What's driving the growth? Two things are driving the growth. The first is definitely the consumption from the consumer itself, because with the increasing of the middle income society, then they tend to want to eat animal protein. And particularly in Indonesia and other parts of Southeast Asia, fish is the most affordable animal protein that is available in the market. So that's what is driving this kind of consumption. And the second is the shift in how we get our fish, because in the last 30 to 50 years, most of the times we get our fish from the wild capture, fishing in the sea. But in the last 10 years, with overfishing and the global warming issue, the way that we produce the fish is shifted to aquaculture. Initially, we eat more fish from the wild capture, Right now, in the last five years, we eat much more fish from the aquaculture and fish farming rather than from the wild capture. So that's the two things that drives the growth in the fish and shrimp farming business. Another basic question, Gibran, how does e-fishery make its money? Is there a subscription fee? Do you take a percentage of your customers' revenues? We make revenue based on the subscription. So we call it feeding as a service. We have a flat fee per month that they have to pay. Got you. And are you planning to layer in additional services over time, or does that flat fee entitle them to whatever new developments and innovations that you make in the future? For example, if we sell the fish and help them sell the fish, then we're taking margin from the transaction. It is not meant to be adding to the subscription because it's transaction basis. But for example, let's say we're adding new kind of sensor and upgrading the solution itself, then they have to pay for an add-on for subscription basis. We also have been experimenting with increment-based revenue. We increase their income, then we take a cut from their income. But that's just currently on the experiment phase. Now, Gibran, I assume that there is a significant hardware cost in deploying the e-fishery solution. Does e-fishery subsidize that? Do you bring in bank financing? Or does the pond owner buy the equipment outright? We don't charge for the hardware in advance. So it's all in in e-fishery's burden. And the way we do that is we use our own capital to manufacture it and then add it, deploy it to the farmers. We have a seven to nine months break even for the manufacturing cost. As long as they stay in the products for the longer time, then we generate much more margin from the farmer and from one transaction. So that's the idea of the business. And the way that we finance it, we're raising our own capital, mostly equity-based. But we're foreseeing that in the long run, we can blend it out and combine it with bank financing and other alternative financing that is available in the market. Well, let's stay on the topic of financial services. I wanted to discuss what financial services eFishery has in mind going forward. The financial services that we have, we call it eFishery Health Fund, because we know the data, how many fish that the farmers produce and how much feed that they're using. So practically, we know their margin and we can correlate the data with other kind of data. For example, the fish behavior data that we get, also water quality data and the weather data. So practically, we know the margin 
and how volatile the margin like we correlated with the external risk factor. So by using this data, we have been creating some kind of credit scoring to analyze which farmers are good and which are not really that good. We're using those data and credit scoring as a complementary credit scoring that we work with the financial institutions, banks, and the peer-to-peer lending platform. And using that data, then we'll then underwrite the loan for the farmers. And then the farmers can receive and get access to the financing. And we take a fee from those origination process that we have. So that's the idea of financial services. We don't really disburse and provide loan by ourselves, but working with the other financial institutions. How do you think about competition in this space? I can't imagine there are a lot of players here, but what do you regard as your competition at eFishery? We currently don't have any head-to-head competition. There are definitely other solutions in other countries, such as India, Norway, China, and Japan, for example. But Indonesia, we're the only company that is currently doing this, so we don't have any head-to-head competition. Our potential competition and threat is the traditional establishment that is there before. For example, on auto-feeding process, our competition is not the other smart IoT feeding solution, but the way that they feed the fish manually, because that's the way that we have to change it. And for both financing and input and output side, our competition is the middleman, the other feed distributors that was already there and have been doing the business for decades. The traditional establishment is what we see as our competition and how we can disrupt and provide much bigger value to the farmers is what we're aiming to do to defeat the competition. Understood. Is there an international component to eFisheries future or do you find that you will remain Indonesia-centric for many years to come? In the last one and a half years, we have been doing a pilot in other countries like Vietnam, India, Bangladesh, and Thailand. And then the main reason why we were in those countries first is because there are demands there. There are a lot of large companies and farmers asking whether they can get our solutions there. And we also had strong local partners to deploy our solution in respective countries. The model that we imagine in the future is we have local partners, typically large companies that can help us deploying our product there. So to answer your question, definitely there will be regional and global opportunities because the opportunity is still there. And right now we're the second largest market. And the countries that I mentioned, they're third to sixth largest and the largest is China. So we definitely want to be in the top six to top 10 country producer in the next three to five years. And we just need to find the right operating model for us to expand. Now, Gibran, I noticed recently that Go Ventures is an investor. Are there potential synergies with Gojek itself? Yes, definitely. There are potential synergy with Gojek. I think fundamentally what we're trying to solve in our different sectors is similar. We're trying to provide technology and access to SMEs and the informal workers. The difference is we're in the aquaculture sector and Gojek is more like a consumer right hailing and food delivery sector. But you see that when we're extending in one part, for example, let's say we're doing financing and also of taking the fish from the farmers, there's definitely synergy from that. For example, a lot of go food merchants need fish and currently they buy the fish from the traditional market. Using their massive amount of go food merchants and our massive amount of supplies, we can connect the demand in the last mile and the downstream level to the supplies that we have. And both of us are tech companies. We can do this using a much better way, which is using data and technology that we have. So that's one thing. The other thing that Gojek has is GoPay, their big play right now. GoPay never 
expanding in the aquaculture sector, but we can provide a better use case because we're disbursing loan, they're transacting within our ecosystem. GoPay could be the backbone of those payment for the aquaculture sector itself. Then you can see that if you connect directly to the downstream to Gojek from Go Food Merchant or with this transacted by the Gojek users using GoPay and then they buy directly from the farmers with GoPay and then the farmers will pay the feed to our distributors using the payment infrastructure. We have a lot of different kind of use cases that we are currently working with Gojek to provide solutions and additional values to all parties involved in the ecosystem. Clearly far more synergy than initially meets the eye. This has been an absolutely eye-opening discussion, Gibran. E-fisheries innovations clearly have massive longer-term global ramifications, and we look forward to seeing its impact grow with time. Well, this concludes our 14th installment of Indotechno. Thanks so much for joining us today, Gibran. Thank you so much, Alan. The podcast was translated from English to Bahasa Indonesia by Alpha JWC Ventures. Terima kasih untuk mendengarkan. Sampai jumpa lagi.